on 89.9, The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton. And it is great to have with me uh, the man behind the book, Dying to Be Alive, Dr. Colin Perry. He joins us uh, through the wonders of Zoom. G'day, Colin. Hi, how are you, Clayton? I'm doing really well, thank you. Um, and the book itself has just got this beautiful title of Dying to Be Alive. We're going to explore that a little bit more. Um, and it is a, a moment for you of uh, truly trying to understand life uh, through a, a, a death experience. So we are going to cover off on that in, in a few minutes' time. First of all, maybe can you set the scene for us uh, before we even get to this moment? Because it wasn't something that happened just last week. This happened a few years ago, and you finally got it uh, to a book stage. So can you, you go back and, and sort of set the scene for us? Sure. Well, look, I'm not sure how far you want me to go back, but um, it, it's been a long journey for me uh, uh, being a Christian for, for most of my life. Um, sure, there were, were times in my life when I sort of fell away from going to church, but still in my heart I believed and I've always been a believer. But I've also uh, experienced a great deal of, of negativity and, and things trying to hold me away from God. And I see this in a, in a spiritual sense that there are forces of darkness that were always trying to work against me and, and to stop me from getting closer to God. And I think this is a fairly universal experience for people who, who, who choose to follow God. Uh, and, and this book and this whole experience has been an enormous part of that journey of between the dark and the light, striving to get closer to God and trying to learn more and know more about him. Yeah. I know from your perspective, and as I've read the book too, that um, as you said, you know, you've always had this perspective of uh, following God, desiring to follow God. Uh, and yet you, you found yourself in different situations where there were pressures that were, were ha- coming from different ways. And could you share a bit about that? I know that it even came to family pressures at times um, for mm. you. Can you maybe explore that a bit for us? Sure, yeah. Look, well, I, I um, was brought up a Christian within, within my family and, and uh, really was a big part of that. And then probably about, I guess, the age 17, 18, <clears throat> I started to um, think seriously about becoming a musician and and entered into the whole seedy word of world of the 1970s with, with musicianship and, and rock music and uh, the whole drug scene started to impact on my life. So although believing in God, I, I got a bit lax in that area and just sort of engaged in the culture and indulged in drugs a bit and, and uh, found myself sort of wandering <clears throat> away and getting involved in all sorts of different uh, groups of people that, that uh, I wasn't too sure about, but at the time being young, and, and very enthusiastic yeah. about life. I just, I just went with the flow. Was that an exploration for you, or just a, as you sort of said, it's sort of with the flow. I think this, it sort of feels like at that age, and if people getting involved in drugs and various things like that, it feels to to go into one or two camps. Either I'm just going with the flow, and I'm not really making decisions myself, or I'm actually trying to explore something and, and understand something. I'm sure there's others too, but which which one were you closer into the camp of? Oh, look, I, I must say a bit of both. Um, I, I was definitely going with the flow. As a, a rock musician in the 70s, it was very much expected and standard that people would smoke marijuana. It was just part of what everybody did. But I was also very interested in, in the whole spiritual aspect of, of where it fitted in with that whole world because I believe very strongly in, in the spiritual realm and in spiritual existence. Um, so for me, I was very interested to see how this so-called drug-induced experience would um, would impact that that area of my life, 
And um, look, although there was times where I did get some form of inspiration and, and pleasure and enlightenment, I guess, out of it, <clears throat> I also found that that very quickly disappeared into um, the opposite, where it was actually dragging me down and away from God rather than towards him. So, yeah, look, it was an experience I explored and one that over a number of years I found to be negative and then found it very hard to withdraw from uh, yeah. uh, ensuing years, yeah. Yeah. Um, it- we, we're going to move through, you know, we, we've only got a short time, so we can't cover off everyone's, uh, everyone's story minute by minute. But um, you were did eventually get married as well. And, and I know that there was, and we, we're not going to delve deeply into this, but there was enough angst that occurred uh, through that too. How old were you when you got married? Well, look, yes, I, I was married at age 20 and uh, I had two children at that point. And that uh, was a a very short and tumultuous marriage because my, my wife at the time chose to reject Christianity and to move into other areas and, and to leave me at that stage. So I found myself at age 24 divorced with two children, which is, you know, pretty devastating and didn't fit in with my ideas of what I wanted to do with my life at all. So I was a very confused young man at that point in time and, and not knowing what direction to take with my life. So, so, um, there was also, I was living in the Dandenongs at that time and there was a lot of cult activity to do with the Hamilton Burns and people were, were being involved in that sort of cultish area that were very close to me. And that was, that was a very hard time for me and I felt very threatened by a lot of that and eventually just moved out of that whole area and tried to leave that behind. But uh, it, was, it was a scary time, a threatening time, and I would advise anybody listening you come across anything like that you just run a million miles very quickly because yeah. it very rapidly gets nasty yeah and i mean you, you talk about it in the in the book as well that uh, it, during that time it, it really was a threats on multiple levels it's a spiritual threat that was occurring there was a physical there was mental there was emotional it, it really is threatening in in multiple different ways and um, as we keep moving forward we we get to i suppose the the crux of what this book is about dying to be alive could you take us through uh, what occurred and uh, this death experience that you did happen sure well it was um 2008 i was actually 49 years of age at the time giving away my secret now um but, uh look i i found myself experiencing chest pains uh, quite quite severe chest pain so I, I had myself checked out and uh, we were waiting for results for the test and and to cut a long story short I thought I was feeling better so I started to do some physical activity and very rapidly bang I, I experienced extreme cramps in the chest and I, I knew exactly what was happening uh, and at that point I actually heard the audible voice of God speak to me which was quite amazing um, and he just said you are going to die, but I have things for you to do, which confused me enormously. I, I would imagine. <laughs> I think it confuses anyone hearing something like that. It, yeah. Before we before we do delve more in, into that, I, there may be some people who are listening and go, hey, yeah, look, you know what? I, I, I believe in God and I believe God can speak like that. And there's probably others sitting here saying, okay, well, we're up to here, but now Colin's a bit of a crackpot if he thinks God <laughs> spoke to him. Yes. Um, how did you know that it was the voice of God? How can you, I suppose, say, yep, that, that was his voice? Uh, look, it, it, it's very difficult to put into words. It, it was quite like hearing a, a very amplified thought to the point that there was no way known it was coming from my own mind, from my own being. 
this was was definitely a, a voice, although silent, but but a powerful, powerful voice just speaking into my mind that, that I couldn't deny. It was so strong and so clear that it actually stopped me in my tracks. Mm. Um, I haven't had that sort of thing happen to me terribly much in my life, but this was a very powerful moment. I was in no doubt whatsoever. Yeah. All right, so there's this voice that says, uh, you're going to die, but there's things for you to do, uh, which doesn't seem to make sense. What, what happened next? Yeah, well, look, basically he just went on to say to me, go inside, pack a bag, call an ambulance, uh, which I did. Um, and the ambulance arrived and took me off and, and uh, poor young ambulance officer was on his first day of duty and uh, <laughs> he was a little pale. I think he was more pale than I was. Uh, but, look, he, he said, look, I'm going to give you morphine and we're going to give you... Um, nitroglycerol, which lowers your blood pressure, and they did that, put me in the ambulance, took me along, and he said, we'll, we'll give you a follow-up dose of morphine. And he said, you might get a bit dizzy, and he, he did that and certainly did get dizzy, and I said, I think I'm going to pass out, and I did. And basically found myself in darkness, uh, just floating as if I was floating in water, but in complete darkness with, with lack of any sensation and didn't really know what was going on at the time. Uh, felt a bit disoriented and disillusioned and, and started to feel afraid because over a period of some minutes, as it felt to me, I, I realised I think I'm dead. I think I've died. And I, I was actually a disembodied spirit at that point in time and um, began to feel fear at, at that and began to sink downwards was the experience I felt. And at that point, I felt aware of this enormous abyss beneath me of blackness and darkness and it did not feel good that I was heading in that direction and um, being a Christian in my heart I just I just called out to Jesus very loud at that point in time I just said Jesus help me as loud as I could and I was sinking down and in a very short period of time I felt a hand reach down and just just grab me by the forearm and he just said you you don't want to go that way and he just lifted me up through an enormous uh, distance, I guess, is the best way to put it. Uh, for some period of time, I felt I was flying at an enormous rate upward and it began to get lighter. And uh, eventually we found ourselves there amongst a group of angelic beings. Uh, would have been about six or seven of them, I guess. And I was just uh, there among them, um, lying, I guess, in my spiritual form on the, on the ground in front of them. And... Uh, the, the experience at that point was incredibly powerful because I experienced a love within, I, it felt like it was within my chest and such a huge experience of love that I've never even come near experiencing before. And it was, it was emanating from him. It was an em emanating from the one who had picked me up. And mm. uh, I said to him at that point, look, who are you? Uh, and he said, I'm the one you call Lord. So, so I knew at that point this was Jesus who had, who had come in answer to my cry. Yeah. So I was, I was left there um, just feeling this overwhelming sense of love and goodness from him and these angelic beings that just emanated an amazing wisdom and knowledge. Uh, you may ask, how do I know that's what was going on? Because there wasn't speech in this uh it was all his thoughts and their thoughts were actually just coming into my mind and and i could hear what they were thinking that's the only way i can really explain it yeah, yeah. and uh, jesus just said to me look we could take you on and you could come with us into paradise or we could uh, we could send you back uh, it's your choice what would you like to do 
So I, I stopped and I thought about the situation I was in. I had a, an eight-year-old son at the time. I had a, a daughter who was heavily brain injured that, that I felt needed my help. So I said, look, I really think I need to go back and, and continue uh, to live on earth and, and finish my role as a father and other things that I felt were unfinished in my life. So uh, he said, okay, you know, we, we will arrange that for you. And he, he turned to one of the angels and said, uh, go back and, and check the vessel was the sort of the words he used. And I saw an angel fly down and I could see myself lying in the ambulance in the distance. And the, the angel went down and started to check around my body and, and see what sort of condition it was in. Um, in the meantime, Jesus was, was saying to me, I, I need to do some, some healing, some like repair work on you, I guess. And so I, I just felt him come into my being and start to work on me on a, in a spiritual sense. You know, I guess it was my soul to, to rearrange things, to, um, to heal things that were hurt, to, to restore me. Uh, and it was the most beautiful sensation because I could feel what he felt for, for that little period of time. I could actually feel his thoughts so clearly and, and understand the level of his awareness, which is just beyond anything I could imagine. Um, I could feel that he, he knew all that was happening uh, in, in a universal sense. And that I, I still struggle to find words to describe that. Yeah. Yeah. It was so beautiful and, and so huge and so awe-inspiring. Yeah. We're going to pause it there and come back with Colin in just a moment as we hear uh, the next part of what occurred next. Uh, and also, we're going to ask a fair few questions of Colin as well. Um, how does he know this is actually real? We want to ask him that question. Um, why uh, does he think this happened for him and doesn't necessarily happen for others? Uh, what is the deeper purpose of it for him to have experienced this? That's all on the way next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. On 89.9, The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and the author of the book, Dying to Be Alive, Dr. Colin Perry is my guest. And we've been hearing your story, Colin. Uh, if someone has just joined us, uh, you were having a heart attack um, and you found yourself um, in a state where you realized, I think I'm dead. Um, heading towards what seemed to be a dark abyss, you called out to Jesus. Suddenly you are picked up. Uh, that he was there, angelic beings, and offered you effectively the opportunity to keep coming with him to paradise or, or go back. You said, look, I've still got some kids that I need to look after back there. There's still some things to do. And uh, when we finished the story a moment ago, we, we were halfway through it. Um, angels were checking the vessel, as it said, your body. You could see them from afar checking your body in the ambulance. And Jesus was doing some healing sort of spiritually in you at the point as well. Um, could you finish the story for us of what happened in that, that moment? Sure. Look, look um, at that point, I, I was sort of just waiting around up there and uh, Jesus was, was just sort of talking to me about perhaps what, what things might happen to me in my life. And they, they started to actually look at my life. Uh, it, it's very difficult to explain. It was as if we were looking through a thin veil or a thin curtain and they were actually looking at future events in my life, which was amazing. There were certain times when he sort of turned me away and said, no, don't, don't you see this? Don't you look at this? But this you could see. So I was actually seeing things that were, were yet to happen to me, which was quite incredible. Um, 
and, and eventually, I guess I felt as if I had been there with them for about 20 minutes or so at this stage when the angel actually returned and said, the vessel is good, he, he can return. So at this point, Jesus just said to me, okay, we, we now feel you can go back to your body and, and resume your life. Uh, and, and he did say to me at this point, I want you to tell people about this experience. I want you to, to, to bear witness to what's happened so that people in the world do hear about it. Uh, so I, I feel ever since then that that has been a part of what I've tried to do with my life is to make sure that I'm, I'm spreading the word of what occurred, not just keeping it to myself. Although I must say at times it is easier not to speak about it. Uh, as, as you said, people tend to think, oh, what sort of a crackpot is this? But no, I can assure you I'm not. Uh, this, this really did occur to me. Um, so look, he, he then sent me back and, and I felt myself once again as if I was floating in water and saw a bright light and headed towards that light and it was as if I was bursting out of the water and found myself in my body again. Well, at this point, the difference between being a spiritual existence and being a physical existence was immense. And I felt as if I'd, I'd turned into concrete. As, as I came back into my body, I felt so heavy. I felt so clumsy. Really, really felt in a far lesser state than I had as a spiritual being. If you were to ask me which is more real, I would say to you the spiritual existence, that heavenly existence is far, far more real than what we have here in the physical world. This feels like a very poor substitute. So I was, I was in the ambulance, um, took a very deep breath to find the poor young uh, ambulance officer as white as a sheet standing over me with, with two defibrillator pads about to apply them to me and said, oh, wow, you're back. And um, I said, yeah, yeah, I've been gone for ages. What's happened? And he said, no, no, you've, uh, you've only been gone for a minute. So, so I, I honestly felt as if I'd been close to half an hour. Yeah. yeah. And the actual time that had taken place since yes. I passed out and, and died was, yes. was around about one minute. Yeah. Um, it's remarkable, isn't it? Um, from that experience then, physically, was it a quick recovery? Um, before we sort of start asking some of the more deeper questions about this experience, was it something that you recovered from quite quickly then? Look, there was, there was a, a, a quite a recovery time. I, I went into hospital, of course. I had a, a stent planted in my heart to, to you know, fix the problem. The doctor did say to me I was very lucky that most, about 50% of men at my age who have a heart attack just die on the spot and don't mm -hmm. get a second chance. He said, you're a very lucky man to be alive. So that was great. Um, the recovery process from then, uh, it was quite amazing finding myself in hospital and... I like to read the Bible and I just threw the Bible open at various pages and every time I did it, every time I did it, it was something to do with returning to life from the dead. I, I couldn't get away from it. Just every time I opened the Bible, there was Lazarus or there was Jesus coming out of the grave or there was, was David saying in the Psalms, you've saved me from the pit and, and brought me up from the grave. Just, just incredible. I don't know what the odds are of that happening, but it was as if God had his hand right on me. And I still felt the presence of angels. I still felt, felt the closeness of God uh, right through that whole experience. And it yeah. was, I guess, a period of about 
six months where I, I just gradually improved, but the doctors did say I'd done very well out of it and that, that my heart was in pretty good shape considering what I'd been through. Yeah, yeah excellent. Um, uh, we, we sort of asked the question a bit before, but, uh, you know, around the, the words that happened, um, how have you gone through that experience now as you reflect back and go, I know that this is real. Um, it was something you experienced. How did you, because I'm guessing you've asked yourself the question. I'm guessing other people have asked you the question as well. Like, oh, was it a hallucination? Was this something that um, just occurred because they'd given you morphine and whatever else <laughs> it is? How, how, have you asked yourself that, that question? And I'm guessing others probably have. How do you answer oh, of that? Of course. Yeah. That is the standard response. Um, yeah. Look, look, I, I can't prove this to anybody. I don't think you can prove anything outside this physical realm because proof involves using the physical realm to prove it. So it's a bit of a self-fulfilling circle, that one. Um, but look, certain things that were shown to me and, and spoken to me about my future did happen. So to me, I, I knew very well that this was a reality because I, I don't care how good the hallucination is, you, you don't read the future in hallucination. Yes. It's just your, it, your brain playing tricks on you. Is there any you can share with us, Colin? Well, look, there was um, a, a particular person that, that they showed me and said, you'll, you'll meet this person and um, they will, when I was lying in hospital, I very clearly heard, heard Jesus or angels say to me, um, that person's within a kilometre of you right now where I was lying in hospital. Now, as it happens, I did meet someone who I went on to marry um, who was within about 800 metres of that hospital and we hadn't met at that point. Yes. So uh, I, I was very clearly told that, that this person was nearby. Uh, and that to me, I'm sorry, that's not a hallucination. Yeah. And um, I could also talk about other people who've had near-death experiences. There's books about this. Uh, many of them, thousands of them, that have all said the same thing, that they've, they've seen things or experienced things that when they've come back into the physical world, there's been confirmation that yeah. what, what their experience was actually did occur. Yeah, there you go. Um, and, you know, we've certainly had touched off on near-death experiences and, and people's experience in that spiritual sense on this program uh, before as well. Uh, a question I want to ask, Colin, is um, why you? Uh, so uh, how have you answered that question? Um, here you are, a couple of different things have happened for you that don't happen for others. Um, you've been given a second chance in a, a, back at, in this world. Um, and at the same point, you've had an experience that others don't. As you mentioned, you know, there's a number of men, they're just gone and that's it. How do you answer the question, why you? That's a very difficult question to answer. Um, Look, look as, I, as I was speaking about at the start of the interview, I, I felt that there's been in my life a, a really strong battle between darkness and light. And I've been through some very difficult times. And interestingly, when reading a lot of other people's stories, who have had similar experiences. They've also experienced very difficult times, uh, often to do with their health or to do with the health of people in their family. I had my daughter hit by a car at age seven and she died at age 29. She was severely brain injured. Been through a lot of grief, been through a lot of hard times, but always have maintained a belief in God. And that's, that's been something that's, that's helped me through. And I, and I think, in a sense, God knows that. 
And I think if you're going to say, why me? I would say perhaps because of the experiences I've been through and the fact that I've maintained faith mm. through real hardship. And I think that means something on a spiritual level that people yeah. don't quite understand how significant it is. Yeah. Uh, you talked about the fact that uh, in the middle of that, uh, you felt Jesus say, I want you to share this story. And mm-hmm. uh, you've been pretty upfront already a couple of times where you said, look, it, it's a whole lot easier when I don't because I get the, you're a crackpot, this is not real. And I'd imagine that that, that would happen a lot. And, and it, it would tear at you a fair bit mm-hmm. as well. And, and, you know, there's a lot of, um, resilience that's required to, to keep sharing that. So that was something that you felt like you're supposed to do. Do you know, uh, or have you been able to understand the purpose of why that's the case? Look, I, I think it is really an interesting time in history right now when, when we're talking about the light and the dark. And, and I think we're in a particularly dark phase of the history of the earth uh, in terms of good and evil. And when I was there at, out of my body in the, in the heavenly space, um, the, the sense of good and evil was incredibly much stronger than it, than it is here. And I, I felt very, very filthy just being a human being in that space and with those beings that, uh, and I know in the Bible it talks about, you know, the, the holy men saying, I'm a man of unclean lips, you know, um, falling down and, and feeling unworthy. And that was the sense. When I was there, but back in the world, uh, people don't have this understanding and don't have this perception of, of good and evil the way perhaps we used to. And, and evil is flourishing in, in many forms. I mean, we want to talk drug use, we want to talk violence, we want to talk greed, we want to talk all sorts of areas that, that are negative things in terms of, of God's plan for the earth. And, and that, that in itself, I mean, if I could just talk to the listeners and and say, if ever I could advise you on anything, it is to be very aware of what is good and what is evil and to draw the line between them and to set your sights towards what is good. Because that, that when I found myself beyond death and on the other side, that's all that mattered. Didn't matter how good I was at my job. Didn't matter how much money I had in the bank. Didn't matter one little bit. In, in fact, that level of success on this earth almost amounts to a negativity on the other side of the scale. It's like a, I've heard Bill Johnson talk about a, a, an inverted kingdom. So what we think is good and desirable here is, in fact, not the, the, the things that we take for granted, like love and generosity. And those sorts of things are the things that are the most highly valued once you're out of this physical world. And, and that, to me, is right at the core of this message is, Find your priorities. If possible, find Jesus. Talk to him because he does hear and he is aware. Uh, as hard as that may be to believe for some people, I've experienced it firsthand and there is no doubt if you speak to him, he is. He hears yeah. you and he is aware of you. Yeah. If um, you want to speak to somebody about perhaps how to pray, uh, how to chat, ask a few more questions, um, you obviously can pray just now by yourself. You don't need somebody else to do that. But if you would like that, uh, you can. Our phone number for our care line, which is there for you every day of the year, is 9583-2273 or 9583-CARE if you use the letter pad on your phone. Uh, Colin, final question as we, we get through, uh, and this is often one that I asked of, of any authors. You've written this book, Dying to Be Alive. 
Um, and pretty much every author that comes on, I do ask this question because I think it reveals so much. And that is, as somebody shuts the final page on your book, what are you hoping that they do walk away with? Number one, I hope they take it seriously, <laughs> which for a lot of people it's easy not to. Uh, but but really what, what I hope for them is that they understand that there is another whole dimension out there called heaven and, and that, that this is something that Jesus came to teach us and came to pass on to the earth and, and through the Bible and, and through the messages he gives people. You know, he's, he's trying to reach out to humanity and to say, look, there is a better way. And I just hope for people that they can discover that way, that they can open their inner eyes and, and see what there is beyond this earthly existence because in comparison, it's not that great, let me tell you. Well, we wish you all the best with that book. We thank you for your time today as well, Colin, and for sharing your story uh, once again, as you've done uh, so today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Clayton. Really was a pleasure. The author of the book, Dying to Be Alive, Dr. Colin Perry, my guest here on 89.9 The Light.